This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Another touchdown for Antonio Brown. Pittsburgh taking it to Washington. The Monday Nighter, 24-6 in the third quarter for the Steelers. One of two Monday Nighters, I should say. They have the doubleheader to open up the season. Rams 49ers later on tonight. Another football note, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders have decided to cut Khalif Mitchell a couple weeks after signing him, saying it's going to be a little difficult for him to get into game shape. Mitchell also uh, known for saying some questionable things, shall we say. Well, questionable is putting it mildly. Some questionable things on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in tonight. Great to have you listening. Dodgers leading the Yankees 6-2 in the top of the sixth. The Rays and the Blue Jays are tied 2-2 in the eighth. Boston pounding Baltimore 9-2 in the sixth. The Twins lead the Tigers 2-1 after six. That's a list of all the teams involved in the American League East and American League wildcard playoff races. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can tweet me at Reed Wilkins. I was talking about Rogers Place. I had a special show. Well, you were involved too, Matthew. Was on from two to three thirty on Saturday afternoon. Got the broadcast from Ford Hall as the open house was going on. Susan Darrington is the general manager of Rogers Place, and everybody knows about the hockey coming up. But don't forget a lot of other cool events happening soon. People were asking a lot in the beginning, who's going to open Rogers Place? Who's going to open Rogers Place? And we really wanted to provide something for everybody in Edmonton and make sure that all the fans got to experience the venue and something that they like to see. So we'll open with Keith Urban as the first music in the house on the 16th, and then Dolly Parton follows him the next day on 17, and Dolly is sold out. People are excited to see her, which is nice to hear. Um, Then we get Drake for two nights, Kanye West, Carrie Underwood, Amy Schumer, John Fogarty, Earth, Wind & Fire in Chicago. We've got a lot of great things lined up. All right, so some of the concerts coming up. Are you go? Which concerts are you going to again, Matthew? Um, just, just for which game I'm going? I'm going. Am I going to? Which? Oh, sorry, you had a phone call there. Wait, aren't you going to one of the early concerts here at Rogers Place? I wish. Well, I'm going. No, I'm going to see Chicago and Earth, Wind, and Fire November the fifth. Well, that's not till November. Well, yeah, it's not, relatively November. soon. I mean, we're already on uh, September twelfth. I love both those bands. So. And are they performing together, or is one opening for the other? I have heard they're performing together, Reed, which should be really interesting to hear the horns go during Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then Chicago songs. It should be a really entertaining night. Well, you know what, Matthew? You're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. Reed, you uh, color my world, buddy. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was a hard habit to break. <laughs> that too. Uh, <laughs> that, that Don't too. leave me now, buddy. <laughs> oh, I won't. <laughs> ah, all right. Uh, that's Matthew Panashik, uh, my friend and neighbor on the other side of the window. So, yeah, you heard Dave Randorf there, who's been calling the games for the NHL on Rogers. Very complimentary of the work 
of uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins for Team North America so far. And another another big year for, I mean, Nugent Hopkins is going into year six. Into year six. He's had an, uh, kind of an injury-played career so far. We have seen bursts of brilliance from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. After his rookie year, I don't think we would have been expecting going into year six. We would still kind of be saying, well, we need a little more from Nugent Hopkins. Nugent Hopkins, 52 points in 62 games as a rookie. Very good on the power play. The Oilers' power play has been underwhelming most of the time since then. It kind of had a great run when Todd Nelson took over as head coach a year and a half ago. And uh, Nugent Hopkins, we've seen at times that he has looked very speedy, that he's looked a little more powerful, that he's got his shot off, that he's been a, a dogged defender who can play down low in his own end. But we have seen only flashes of it. And look, the Oilers have Connor McDavid, and I would expect him to have a brilliant career. Brian Nugent Hopkins now in a situation where he does not have to be the team's number one center. Depending on what happens with Leon Dreisaitl, maybe he doesn't even have to be the number two center, though I think I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit there. But Brian Nugent Hopkins, I mean, look, does he have to be the Jonathan Taves type of player on the team? where he gets decent point production and he plays in all situations, that's probably now what you're looking for for Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So he's done that so far, two games in that didn't count for Team North America. He's done it in very small bursts for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things I like about Nugent Hopkins. I think he can shoot the puck. I think he has good vision. I think he can defend. His face-offs still need a lot of work. So this Oilers roster this year, when I look at it, and I'm not going to make an official prediction until I see them in the preseason, I, I would not put this Oilers team in the playoffs. And I know that's the last thing a lot of you want to hear, but if I'm looking at it objectively, there are too many medium-sized to large question marks on the team. I, I think every team has question marks. The smaller they are, the more confident you can be about how they're going to perform. I would no longer put Cam Talbot as a medium or large question mark. I would put Cam Talbot as a small question mark simply because, you know, he's going to be playing a lot of games. He might play 60, 65 games this season because they, they didn't get a high-end backup in Jonas Gustafsson. You know, I, I would put Connor McDavid as a pretty small question mark that he's going to produce points, Right. But you get into some medium-sized and large question marks. I still think the defense is a fairly significant question mark, and here's why. They are still a group that is more potential than actual. I think Oscar Kleffbaum is going to get better. I think Darnell Nurse is going to get better. I think Adam Larson is going to get better. I think Brandon Davidson is going to get better. Well, that's two-thirds of your defense where you're saying they are not quite who they are going to be which to me doesn't spell playoffs. And to get back to Ryan Nugent Hopkins, there's still a question mark. He's at the point of his career for a forward where you should pretty much be the player you're going to be. I mean, forwards come along quickly. And they, and you know what? Forwards generally peak in terms of production in their first six years in the league. You can go back, and I, I did this one night on Inside Sports, and I went as far back as even Guy Lafleur. And I included Gretzky, and I included Lemieux, and I included Kane, and, and all these guys. 
about 70% of those guys have their best offensive season before the age of 24. Well, Nugent Hopkins getting set to hit the age of 24. So, you know, I, I, is, is Nugent Hopkins a completely underwhelming player? No, I don't think so. But it, we seem to be going into a lot of seasons saying we need a little bit more from Nugent Hopkins for the Oilers to be successful. And, and staying healthy is part of that. You can't always control your injuries. I mean, he goes to block a shot last year and it hits his hand and he gets a pretty bad hand injury that he still says when I interviewed him about a week and a half ago, that he pretty much has his range of motion back. So it was a tough one. It was a tough one. Who will Nugent Hopkins play with? A lot of possibilities there. I do think the top line, and we'll see what happens through the preseason, will be McDavid with Lucic and Eberle. I think they want to keep Eberle getting a look there, and I think Lucic was brought in to specifically play with McDavid most of the time. It is 7-14. It is Inside Sports on 630. Chad Cole texting in. He says, uh, for the Eskimos uh, to win, Riley will have to carry this team on his back, which is hard when he's lying on his back. He was under pressure all of the second half on Saturday. That is from Cole. You know what? The Eskimos this season have not been able to handle it when the opponent has really cranked it up. And for the most part, they have not been able to gain momentum back once it has been lost. The games against Saskatchewan, the exception, well, the Riders aren't a very good team. They're 1-10. and 10. They're going to be a tough opponent on Sunday. That's, that's a worrisome one for the Eskimos. But Ottawa, the Eskimos' uh, first game against Ottawa, the home opener, Eskimos lost the lead in the second half. Both games against Saskatchewan, they lost leads but recovered and won the game. Lost that huge lead against Hamilton, one of the biggest blown leads in the history of the Canadian Football League. And a lost lead against Calgary on the weekend resulting in an overtime loss. And, and we've seen the Eskimos not do well coming out of the half. I think some of that is adjustments. You know, I, I, I think you have to question the coaches to some degree. And, and the Eskimos also have a secondary that simply isn't good enough i mean quite frankly they are not good enough they they get beat they get beat over the top they give up long plays either for touchdowns or that shift the balance of the field or they take pass interference penalties and they don't have guys like ojo and grimes last year that can just lock it down Brandon Thompson, one of the newcomers, probably now the most reliable defensive back. And you probably noticed on the weekend, it looks like Neil King has been supplanted at safety by Koshima Wamba taking over there. Offensively, they did better. I mean, they started the game with an absolutely monumental play. Riley drops back into his end zone about five yards. Now he unleashes downfield, and that is complete. Oh, big gainer, and look at Darrell Walker go down the field. He's at the 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Eskimos. What a way to start the game. The Eskimos score first on a bomb, Riley to Darrell Walker. Well, like we saw on Monday, Morley, the Stampeders will send pressure on first down, and they did that, and give credit to the protection. It was fantastic, and Darrell Walker had quite the battle on Monday with Tommy Campbell on the weak side of the field. Gets the advantage on the, on the post, gets the inside position he needs. Perfect throw from Mike Riley, 104 yards. 
By the way, the second longest play from scrimmage in the history of the Edmonton Eskimos against Winnipeg in 2005. Ricky Ray connected with Jason Tucker for 105 yards. There have been three 109-yard passing plays in CFL history. That's the longest you can go. The last one, Damon Allen to Albert Jackson back in 2002. There have been two 109-yard runs. There's your trivia for work tomorrow morning. (laughs) So the Eskimos started off perfectly a 104-yard touchdown. Let's face it, Calgary was not playing well. But still, you have to take advantage of it. And the Eskimos were for the most part. And you have the 17-3 lead at the half. You have a 20-6 lead in the second half. The thing is, I was in the stadium. You could feel it when Calgary made it 2013. There was that here we go again. The Eskimos couldn't run the ball because White and McCarty were both injured, and I would not—I I would expect Shakir Bell to be the running back on Sunday against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, though we'll see. They're not back at practice until Wednesday, but I know a lot of you want to see Shakir Bell back in action. So it just spins out of control for the Eskimos. Offensively, though, I, I will say this, and, and Cole in his text made a reference to Riley being on his back a lot. The O-line got pushed around. Now, it was against a very good Calgary pass rush that knew Riley had to pass. But, I mean, he got sacked once with three-man pressure. And an O-line should not be allowing a sack with three-man pressure. Got a couple of texts I want to get to on 630-630. Phone number 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chad. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, we were just speaking of the Nuge. Stoney texts in. He says Nuge is finally getting the body of a man. He played with a boy's frame for the first few years. I will think he will crank it up this year. That is from Stoney. John says Reed is Adam Larson playing for Sweden at the World Cup. If not, who is on their defense? Larson is not. Their defense is Matthias Ekholm, Oliver Ekman Larson, Victor Hedman, Nicholas Jarmelson, Eric Carlson, Nicholas Cronwall, and Anton Strahlman. That is Sweden's defense at the World Cup of Hockey. This portion of the show brought to you by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. The Alberta Breeders Fall Classic returns to Northlands Park on September 17th. Be there for a great day of racing. Of course, September 17th is Saturday. I'll be in Penticton Friday at 8.30. We have an actual hockey game. Oilers rookies coming to you from the uh, Young Stars Tournament. You can text 630-630. Phone number 780-496-0063. Brian is on the line. Hello, Brian. Hey, Reed, how's it going? Doing wonderful. Hey, um, yeah, about the game on... Uh, uh, I, of course, I went... Uh, I asked you after to uh, be there. And, uh, you know... All right, Brian, I'm sorry. Just hang on, Brian. We can only hear every second word, so Matthew's going to check that connection. In the meantime, we'll move on to uh, Mark on line two. Mark, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Reed. Yeah, I'll... I'll touch on a few of the Eskimo things with you there. Sure. Um, they, I put a lot of this blame on, like, obviously there's a lot to go around. I put a lot on Herbie. There was a lot of media guys before the season started saying this secretary, secondary is not good enough. And he just proceeded. It's, he's done nothing. It's not hard to rebuild a defense. I know they lost five or seven players between what went to Saskatchewan and what went to the States. But you've got hundreds and hundreds of players that choosing from the get 
get better players. Uh, I mean, in the secondary, Warren Young, he was the weak, weak link in that secondary last year. Marcel Young, yeah. Or, yeah. And uh, and I don't know if it's the players or if, it, or if it's the, the defensive coordinator's problem, but that, that soft zone they play in, how many times this year have you seen guys like one, Calgary had one touchdown in the week and like the guy was five, six yards away from him? Like, I, I don't know if you're that bad of a secondary or, or whether it's the – this uh, what's his name? The new defense. Uh, Benavides. Well, they also yeah, they, and they mark. They also don't get any pressure, which no. was a big part. I mean, I think you know you wonder about uh, guys past the the peaks of their career, and I you know Marcus Howard, Odell Willis, are they as effective as they used to be? I don't think they yeah, are. Probably not. I mean, lots of people said Desclos lots of changes. Well, I don't know all the players, but I know Calgary lost quite a few players from last year, and they they got a new uh, defensive coordinator in there. They switched the de- defensive guys from last year. It was Stupler last year, and they got a different guy this year. Yeah, I believe he. Uh, yeah, I believe he was on their staff, but yeah, uh, yeah he wasn't but the defensive still, coordinator. Still, a new defensive coordinator, right? Yeah, even if he was on the staff. Yeah, I and mean, they, I'll, I, I was talking about this, and 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 Mark, I always try to. Rather than just saying so and so did a bad job, I try to put myself in his head for a second. Yeah, you know, Hervey. There, there were guys who were brought in to compete. Tristan Thompson, Gary Peters, Solomon Means, Cord Parks were all new defensive backs. Uh, Parks is the only one that's playing. The other three guys were 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 younger guys. Uh, you know, I, I can't remember which one of them went to Auburn, which is a good NCAA school. They they had they weren't able to crack the lineup. And when you win a championship, you know, he lost, he, he, Grimes left, yeah. and then Ojo got hurt. So then I'm trying to think the way Ed might think, and he's thinking, okay, do I want to also cut Marcel Young and have three of the five guys new, right? right. Ryan Hines played safety sometimes. He's, he's not back. So you're right. I, I, I will agree with you to an extent could have Hervey and or the scouts found better guys okay maybe but I also thought he was kind of thinking okay I lost some key guys do I want to overhaul uh you know do I want to change eight guys that won a championship so but but it has been frustrating to watch I mean he brought in Brandon Thompson he brought in Brandon Thompson who's probably their best coverage guy right now yeah yeah they had one guy in there the injured yeah but it's very frustrating to watch like the these get I think they change their defense when they get up and it's some soft and the gaps that are allowed some of the even not even the touchdown passes some of the guys just catching for well for example a Calgary game they had two in the late game there second and 20 or second and 19 it was and second and 15 converted both of them they had a and second and it, 20 and a second and 15 on the same drive and and yeah, and they got the touchdown that was a winning touchdown and you wonder if and you and you wonder if now there's something mental with this team because when it starts to go bad Yep, it starts well, to roll. And last year's team was the exact opposite. They always stayed yeah, it with it. The opposite. Uh, if they if they don't if they lose in Saskatchewan, which they could, they could. Saskatchewan's been playing tight games lately. If they lose there, then it's almost done for the year. Well, right now, Hamilton, Toronto, and Edmonton are all five and six. Two of those three teams will make the playoffs, but well, Hamilton, Hamilton has to I'll finish way ahead of Edmonton. Toronto, maybe not, maybe about the same. Hamilton's, you know what, I'll say this about Hamilton, Mark, they don't get a lot of stops either. And you know, I know you listen, so you know I've spoken very highly of Hamilton, but yeah. now they don't get very many stops either. That defense is a problem for them too. 
Yeah, a little bit. And they got a, a consistent defensive coordinator, Steinhauer. He's been there for a while. And they got a good front four, so I don't know if secondary's a problem there or not, neither. The the big telltale, the frustrating thing with the Eskimos is, all, especially at home, all these big leads that they've blown. Yep. The Saskatchewan games, they yeah, they won them, but they blew big leads, I think, in both games. This Calgary game, obviously the Hamilton game. I mean, it's just like, that's too many games to have defenses like that. you got to close them out. Mark, thanks for listening. You bet. All right. Washington just got a touchdown, 24-15, the Steelers lead the Washington NFL team with 13-01 left in the fourth quarter. We're going to touch on a little Western Hockey League action as we count down to the start of that season when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Pull it out against the Rays. Ezekiel Carrera with a pinch hit solo homer in the bottom of the eighth. Toronto wins it 3-2. Jose Bautista homered in the sixth. His 18th of the season. So 3-2, the Blue Jays win. Now the thing is, though, looks very much like Boston is going to win. They are pounding Baltimore 12-2 tonight. Monday Night Football, 24-16. Pittsburgh leading Washington. Ten and a half minutes left in the fourth quarter. L.A. and San Francisco still to come. Uh, we kind of got an interesting inside sports schedule. We have shows this week. And then because we're carrying the, the World Cup of Hockey and we have an Eskimos game next Friday and we're doing the Golden Bears or there's rookie game next Wednesday, we're not really going to have inside sports next week leading into the Western Hockey League season. So we're going to do some WHL preview stuff this week we'll go around the league talk to uh coaches managers players and even broadcasters even this guy the longtime play-by-play voice of the saskatoon blades les lazarick les it's a pleasure to have you on the show how are you doing man reed i'm fine it's nice to uh nice to be on the air with you and uh thank you very much for the invitation yeah well it's 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 good to talk to you les you will not remember this because uh i was uh, not a prominent on-air person i did my practicum at Global Saskatoon as a Nate student with Jay Onright, R.J. Broadhead, and Derek oh Bidwell <laughs> in the summer of 1999. And they already spoke of you as a WHL broadcasting legend. And here we are 17 years later. How many years have you been doing the games now? Well, this will be my 23rd season that I'm going into with the Blades. Uh, I've been in the sports media since the uh, summer of 1979, so it's been a long time for me yet. Now, what was the pathway to the Blades job, Les? Well, the pathway to the Blades job was just an opportunity to do play-by-play, which is what I really wanted to do. And uh, in my hometown of Winnipeg, that opportunity wasn't there. And uh, when an opportunity came to do uh, a, a play-by-play job on a full-time basis, follow the team, do them, you know, be there every step of the way, I jumped at that opportunity in 1994. And, uh, and here we are. The rest, as they say, is history. All right, so from uh, Winnipeg to Saskatoon, I, I guess at least for a Winnipeg uh, person, you didn't have to go to Regina and be right in the heart of uh, Ryder. <laughs> Do I dare ask, have you become a Riders fan over over your couple decades in Saskatchewan? <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't help but uh, become somewhat uh, of a Ryder fan. They, they, they draw you in. The, the Ryder nation is such that they will draw you in, and I, and I do have... 
Rough Rider jerseys in my closet here in my office. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I've gotten caught up in that over the years. Uh, I mean, when I, when I was a kid, when I used to you know, drive my bike uh, to go pick up tickets in the north end zone at the old Winnipeg Stadium, and, and I was a Blue Bomber fan back then, without a doubt. But uh, ever since uh, we moved out here, uh, yeah, you, you kind of get drawn in. Uh, so so since, since 1994, it, it must be interesting for you because certainly the WHL has has changed teams in larger markets. Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver all have teams. And I know, you know, I guess you want to count the Edmonton Ice. There were other attempts there, but certainly a little more stability. Um, the, the, does the landscape of the league just feel a lot different than, than, you know, the mid to late 90s when you were first doing the job? Oh, absolutely. The evolution, when you go, when I first started, it was 16 teams. There were nine in the East Division uh, there was no East Division, Central Division as there is now, and there was no uh, BC Division and U.S. Division. There were seven teams in what was the West Division, and when you made a Western road trip, you saw all seven of those Western teams all at once, plus they also came and visited you. So the home and home was involved back then, and now um, you see one of those Western Conference Divisions come to you all season long and then you go and see the other Western Conference division and you alternate that on a year-by-year basis. You're only playing, like for instance, the Blades will only play, say, the Kamloops Blazers once a year. This year they'll visit the Blazers. Next year Kamloops will come to Saskatoon and so on and so forth through the Western Conference. Uh, As far as the Eastern Conference goes, well, of course, you've got your rivalries. There's five Saskatchewan teams in what is the East Division plus the Brandon Wheat Kings, and then you've got the Alberta or Central Division with five Alberta teams plus the uh, Kootenai Ice, and uh, it's evolved quite significantly. And the fact, like you say, Reed, we have a lot of teams in in larger markets, and and the way those teams have been able to take off and, and found their niche of support has really been something to uh, to watch over the years. Is there is there anything to say? I mean, I mean, is it? Uh, I don't know if awkward is the right word, but but is it sometimes a an interesting coexistence with teams in in large cities and then also the moose jaws and, and PAs of the world? Is there any? Does that create any sort of imbalance either financially or support wise? Or how do you see that? Uh, I think in some of the smaller markets, they really are very parochial, and as a result. They are, are, are very. Uh, uh, they are. They're mad about their team. They love their team. They try very hard. They're. They're very proud of what their teams have been able to accomplish, and they really take it on. Uh, the, the biggest uh, example you can find would be Saskatoon and Prince Albert. Prince Albert's only about an hour and a half to the north of here, and it's only got like thirty-five thousand people compared to Saskatoon with its two hundred and seventy-five thousand now. Um, and anytime the Raiders and Blades get together. Uh, if, if up in PA, well, that's generally a sellout. And when they play here at Sassel Center in Saskatoon, it's amazing the amount of green that comes down to, to watch the Raiders uh, take on the Blades. And, and they certainly let you know, uh, the Raider fans do, when they've had the better of the big city Saskatoon boys. Let me tell you that. <laughs> Les Lazarick joining us on Inside Sports, longtime play-by-play voice for the Saskatoon Blades as we uh, get you ready for the Western Hockey League season. Of course, the Oil Kings will play at Rogers Place on Saturday the 24th against uh, against the Red Deer Rebels. Um, for the Saskatoon Blades, Les, uh, it's been... It's been a bit of a tough run here. Um, they haven't been past the second round of the playoffs uh, in a while. 
the last three years have been out of the playoffs, though the win total has increased every year. Obviously, there's a local angle here with uh, the Priestner family uh, purchasing the Blades a, a couple of years ago. Uh, I mean, what's it what's it been like for that team um, in in that market over the last two or three years because, uh, you know, pe- people want to see uh, a winner preferably. And, and look, Saskatoon's not Edmonton, but I assume there's still competition, whether it's Huskies football or hockey. The Rush are now there. What's the, what have the last couple of years been like for the Blades? Well, uh, for the Blades, it certainly has been a struggle. They've, they've really tried their darndest. And I'm going to give the Priestner family and Steve Ogle, the president, uh, all the credit in the world for doing what they've been able to do. Uh, they've tried their darndest to make sure they can get people in. They've tried their darndest to create a, a better hockey team. And as you say, they've improved, but it hasn't happened fast enough for some folks. The hope is, is that this year, and in fact, the, the goal is stated, uh, they have to absolutely be in the playoffs in order to get people excited again about the Blades and junior hockey in general here because there are other things to do in Saskatoon. Uh, I I really think, though, that they are going in the right direction. They were left, basically, it was like a a desert wasteland following the Memorial Cup host in 2013. And that that one was really difficult. Uh, That was the end of a run where the Blades had some very good teams. They had five straight years of winning, uh, 47 wins on on average per year, and yet they only won a first-round playoff series twice in that time. And lost out in four straight in the last three playoff series that they played in. So it left a very bitter taste in the mouths of a lot of people here. And then to make matters worse, you have a very old team hosting the Memorial Cup in 2013, and now you're left with a lot of years in which you had no first or second round draft picks. So nothing really elite is coming in. You're trying your darndest to find cast-offs from other teams as well as higher uh, bantam draft picks or sorry from from the, the uh, higher rounds in the seventh eighth ninth rounds trying to make your team and try to make you competitive against teams who have all their first second and third rounders and it was it was a tough go it's been a tough go but now we're starting to see the uh, the fruits of their labor they're finally getting some of their draft picks uh, the higher draft picks and they're starting to find their way into the lineup and the hope is, is that they'll be able to be a, a competitive team be a playoff team this year and continue to make movement upwards in the uh, in the echelon of the Western Hockey League. All right, Les, before I, I let you go, i got to have some fun here. Uh, 23rd season coming up, calling games for the Saskatoon Blades. Uh, in terms of just what the player did in his Western Hockey League career, who's the best player you've seen and who's the toughest player you've seen? <laughs> wow. Uh, they're the toughest player. There was a kid by the name of Brandon Tidball who nobody wanted to fight uh, a few years back. Uh, he was he was he was just a monster. Uh, another really a favorite of mine would have been Darcy Hordachuk, who ended up playing in the National Hockey League. Uh, as far as the best player ever to have played with the team, my goodness, there are so many guys who have come through that have done so many wonderful things. Mike Green comes to mind right away, a, a tremendous defenseman. Uh, Stephen Elliott was another very good defenseman. In fact, he owns the team record now for points by a defenseman in in franchise history. Uh, Frank Bannum scored 83 goals in my second year of calling games, and you know, I've never seen anybody come anywhere close to that. And a National Hockey Leaguer right now, who I would consider to be the greatest goaltender in Blades history, certainly in my time, uh, and the Vezina Trophy winner this past year in the National Hockey League, Braden Holtby, played three years with the Saskatoon Blades and uh, and was every bit as good a goaltender 
for Saskatoon as he is now in the National Hockey League with the Capitals and right now, of course, with Team Canada at the World Cup of Hockey. All right. Well, Les, great to have you on the show. Uh, so, what, about uh, 11, 12 days the Blades are going to get going here? On Friday the 23rd, it'll be back to starting up uh, the franchise's 53rd regular season, the 51st in the Western Hockey League. The Blades are the only continuous, continuously operating franchise in the same market with the same name in the Western Hockey League history, and they will start up that 51st season on Friday, September 23rd in Swift Current, and then two days later, i got to mention this, Reed, because it's going to be a phenomenal day, Sunday, September 25th. It's an afternoon game against Swift Current, but it is thank you, Mr. Hockey Day, as a tribute to Gordie Howe is going to be done that day, and it is a jam-packed day. It's going to be entertaining. It's going to get all kinds of national uh, coverage. Uh, we're going to have Bob Cole in town. We're going to have all kinds of folks here, and it's, it's going to be a phenomenal day on, 20, on the 25th of September for thank you, Mr. Hockey Day. That is awesome stuff. That's going to be special indeed. Les, great to get to know you a little bit. Thanks so much for your time. All the best with the Blades this season, and I think you will enjoy Rogers Place when you get to visit as well, man. Appreciate your time. I'm hoping to see it maybe even this Saturday because they're in town this uh, this weekend to play the Oil Kings in the preseason game in St. Albert Saturday night. So hopefully we're staying downtown. I hope they can sneak across and maybe get a quick peek in at the new Rogers Place. Yeah, but yeah, I, I might be able to help with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Les. Thanks, Reed. Appreciate it. Les Lazarick joining us tonight as we start a uh, week-long look at uh, personalities around the Western Hockey League. Of course, Les, as he said, 23rd season coming up. Play-by-play voice of the Saskatoon Blades. Really cool to have him on the show. 31-16, Steelers leading the Redskins now. 5.43 left in the Monday night football opener. This portion of Inside Sports brought to you by Northlands Park Racetrack and Casino. The Alberta Breeders Fall Classic returns to Northlands Park September 17th. Be there for a great day of racing. Morley Scott has the Eskimo show from 8 to 9. He'll give us a preview when we get back. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. So yeah, the Blue Jays do win tonight 3-2 over the Rays. They uh, won't make any up any ground in the AL East, though, because the Red Sox are hammering the Orioles 12-2. The surging Yankees trailing the Dodgers 6-2 tonight. The Tigers hanging around in the wildcard race as well. And uh, they are up 3-2 on the Twins in the top of the eighth. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, at the top of the hour, I'll hand the reins over to Morley Scott for our weekly Eskimo show. Morley, so this week, I was, I was saying to the folks here, I, I, I'm not going to really have Inside Sports next week because of games we're covering. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have World Cup games on. So I want to do some WHL features throughout the week. Les Lazarick, 23rd year coming up. Yeah. The Saskatoon Blades. That's that's awesome. Now he's got a ways to go to beat Bob Ridley, but still. Oh, that's true. And he can't drive the bus either, I'll bet. <clears throat> like Bob does or did. But you spent a year in the Western Hockey League. Yeah. The uh, playing right wing. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. I was an overager. <laughs> I was also an overweighter. <laughs> I was both overage and overweight for the Western Hockey League. No, but you were uh, what Vancouver Giants play-by-play. About yeah, I did. Uh, I did so? the Vancouver Giants for a year in the 09-10 season, 09-10, okay. and uh, they finished first place. Went to the Western Conference Final that year and and lost it uh, to the Tri City Americans. But had a great year. Got to work with Don Hay for a year and spend time with him. Uh, and just 
had a had a fantastic year. Scott Bonner is the was the general manager of the team and was up until this year. And Glenn Hanlon's taken over now, but uh, he's an Edmonton guy, so I uh, got along fine with him. And uh, Brendan Gallagher was on the team, and his dad Ian Gallagher was the strength and conditioning coach. They're from Edmonton as well, so uh, lots of Edmonton stories uh, to tell. It was uh, it was a real good year. Had a great year. I love the Western Hockey League. It's just a big family. Uh, just just the people you meet and the people you talk to. It's, it was just a real good time. It's it's uh, good hockey too. Good hockey too. Brian, did you ever fly anywhere? Uh, I did. <laughs> you got special treatment. The family stayed here for the year uh, oh, in Edmonton. Right. So uh, I know that uh, when when we went, uh, did the Olympic trip, the big Olympic trip, uh, we started it in Saskatoon, and I flew to Edmonton for a couple of days, spent with the family, and then flew to Saskatoon and met up with the team there. So. And then they were driving all around the, <clears throat> then we drove the all eastern around. part yeah. of the league, eh? Yeah, it was, it was some long bus rides, some long bus rides. They are fun, though. I like the bus. It was, it was kind of neat. Once you could figure out how to sleep, that right. was the the biggest thing. The longest trip we ever had in the bus played on the Saturday night, the Saturday night before the gold medal game in Vancouver for the Olympics. Uh, we played in uh, Swift Current, lost to the Broncos, and then uh, went out for pizza after. Of course. Which is uh, my junior <laughs> hockey tradition, right? Uh, and then got on the bus probably around uh, 11 or midnight or so, and we traveled all night to Calgary. In the middle of the night in Calgary, we pulled up and we changed drivers because the bus driver can only drive for so long. So we stopped at the airport. Um, one of the guys got off the bus, not a player, one of the, uh, it was one of the owners got off the bus to fly home to Vancouver because he had tickets for the gold medal game the next day, right? Oh, so he had a flight. Uh, we changed drivers, kept driving. Uh, we drove all through the night, all through the morning, and we arrived in, uh, in Ladler, which is you know, down on the south side of Vancouver, uh, where the headquartered out of, we arrived there as the third period of the gold medal game was starting. So we left Saturday night about midnight and arrived at the at the at home as the third period was starting. I was living in Langley, got in my car, raced home, listened to the game, got in just as overtime was starting. Wow! Got so it was uh, yeah, it was good. It was That's good. Quite a trip. It, yeah, it was it was kind of fun. It's, it was a great year for me. I really enjoyed myself. And the uh, late night pizza. See, the players burn it off. Yeah, Plus I know. broadcasters. Oh, That's I know. why we become more rotund. I know. I know. As we see, they, they, we got the the pregame meal <laughs> and the postgame meal. And so what the players were doing was they're eating to to nourish themselves to burn it off. Then they're eating to re- nourish themselves again. Me, I was just having two suppers every night. <laughs> just, I, sometimes you'd have the pregame meal with the, with the team on the bus, yeah. or you'd stop on the way. Then you get to the rink and have the media meal at the rink, and then you have the postgame meal yeah. after. So, yeah. Well, you burn 30 or 40 calendars doing play-by-play. It's a lot of steps, calories, too. Yeah. A lot of steps to some of those press boxes, yeah. right? Yeah. From the elevator to your chair. And I had to carry my own equipment up all, every day, right? So. Well, you were burning 50, 60 calendars. At least. Calendars, calories. What at am I calling least. At well, least. maybe you were burning calendars, too. I don't know. Uh, well, you never know. <laughs> uh, Eskimo show from 8 to 9. The team is now 5 and 6 on the season. Still can't match up with Calgary. Nope. Uh, Calgary's good. Nobody can match up with Calgary, really. Let's not let's not hold the Eskimos to the flame because they can't beat Calgary. Because nobody can, right? They've beaten everybody they've played this year. Lost one game to BC, but beat the Lions twice. So uh, they're in pretty good shape, uh, Calgary. So Eskimos not in the playoff spot right now, so they got to get some wins. Who's on tonight? Uh, we're going to talk with Blake Dermott off the top. Well, we're going to hear uh, from Brandon Thompson, Eskimos defensive back. Uh, we're going to check in quickly in Toronto with Chris O'Leary to talk about the trade that Yargos made yesterday and then a special treat, Dave Cutler. He's a legend. Oh, Dave Cutler. He's a legend. Awesome. So he'll uh, he'll give us some uh, mosaic field, Taylor field memories. Yeah.
as the Eskimos head to Regina for the final time to play at Mosaic Stadium. Eskimos show up next. Studio producer Matthew Panastic, producer of the show Dave Campbell. I'm Reed Wilkins. I have another show tomorrow. I'll talk to you at 6. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.